0: joined by Sangamon County State's Attorney Dan Wright. Dan, good morning to you. Hopefully everybody's staying safe in the state's attorney's office. Good morning. Yes, uh, I mean, we have limited operations to, to mirror the uh, limited operations uh, at the courthouse, but uh, everybody's been safe uh, and healthy both at work uh, and at home and, uh, you know, not knock on wood here, uh, but um, it's, uh, you know, it's a, it's a crazy difficult time uh, for everybody, but um, I think people can, can rest assured that the um, The team at the Sangamon County State's Attorney's Office is here every day uh, doing the same work that that we did uh, before this crisis, uh, that we're doing during this crisis uh, and after this crisis, uh, which is uh, defending the rights of victims and and ensuring that those who choose to commit crimes in our community uh, are held accountable.
1: Dan, a lot of questions out there about uh, the governor's uh, extended stay-home order. They were filed late yesterday evening and uh, requires people to wear masks or face coverings. Got to be clear on that because we have had people say, well, I'm just going to wear a mask on my arm. No, it's, it's a face covering uh the, the the language is specific of face covering um but you've also got uh, you know non-essential businesses like retail being allowed to do certain types of uh sales curbside or online and a few other uh updates and modifications to the order uh, but people are asking all over the place uh from media to, to listeners how is this going to be enforced on a local level and i know that there's a lot of different ins and outs here and from a legal perspective we could you know delve into legal briefs and, and unpack all of the legalese, but for the layman out there, um, what should they understand about how these are going to be enforced in Sangamon County?
0: Well, that, that is that is a great question, Greg, and I think... Uh in the end, uh, it's going to be a function of the uh, you know, specific enforcement strategy of, of the actual law enforcement agency uh, in a particular jurisdiction. So obviously in the city of Springfield, that'd be the Springfield Police Department. Uh, countywide, uh, you know, I know Jack Campbell, Sheriff Jack Campbell has, has been on the show to talk about his enforcement strategy. And I think that that's uh, largely consistent, uh, and I can only speak for Sangamon County, uh, across our county, and that is um, you know, emphasizing Uh, education, community caretaking, uh, voluntary compliance uh, in the interest of beating this public health crisis together. Uh, But my role as Sangamon County State's Attorney is to enforce the law, and um, most times that is the the criminal code. Um, I'm obviously um, also charged with the obligation to to assist and advise uh, every official in the county, every department in the county, County Administrator on the County Board, um, which has obviously resulted in a lot of different unprecedented situations as we've navigated this crisis uh, on the civil side, and we can certainly talk about that later. But as far as criminal enforcement, I think it's important for people to understand um, that a violation of the executive order in and of itself, with no other attendant circumstances, uh, is not a criminal offense. Um, And I've discussed that uh, for for weeks now with with law enforcement. Everybody understands that. Um, So there are criminal offenses uh, that existed before the executive order that are still, uh, you know, part of applicable law in the criminal code uh, while the executive order is in effect and will will be uh, in place after the executive order. Um, And none of those include just a simple technical violation of the executive order. Now, I want people to understand, um, and don't be misled by that statement to um, reach the conclusion that uh, if you're violating an executive order, there's there's never a crime that you could be charged with. That that's simply not the case. Uh, there are other circumstances, for example, that could arise that could um, uh, support a charge that could be proven beyond a reasonable doubt for things like, you know, disorderly conduct if someone is behaving in a manner that alarms and disturbs uh, someone else, or reckless conduct if they endanger the health and safety of a, of a specific individual or um, uh, obstructing a peace officer if they're uh, impeding a police officer's ability to to maintain order in a in a in a specific situation
1: and again those those, are, and those are violations that have been around uh, before the order during the order and and surely uh, will be around after the order and don't necessarily have anything to do with the governor's order
0: not not independently uh, but obviously there can be overlap with surrounding circumstances and we could talk about. Um, you know hypothetical situations sure. all day long, but ultimately, that's uh, my role as state's attorney is to uh, assist law enforcement and review police reports as they come in and view each of them on a specific case by case basis and responsibly exercise the prosecutorial discretion that's vested in my office. And that the uh, the people of Sangamon County, uh, I believe, uh, have trust and confidence in me to do that. And then that doesn't include making you know broad brush statements that can be applied in every situation because that's just not the reality of of uh, of criminal law, everything is fact specific, and and uh, you know you got to have a state's attorney that is calm and level headed enough uh, to to examine those uh, based upon their specific facts as as presented and, and apply uh, applicable law as appropriate. Um, but one thing that I think law enforcement has been very good about locally is understanding that um, you know a violation of the executive order in and of itself. Uh, a technical violation of the executive order with nothing more uh, is, is really a civil issue, and that uh, also I think important for people to understand is because the executive order uh, would not be enforced criminally if we're only talking about it. You know, as I said, a technical violation of the executive order with nothing more. Uh, that doesn't mean that there aren't other enforcement mechanisms uh, that that. Um, Outside of the jurisdiction of the state's attorney's office in terms of criminal law, um, there are other enforcement mechanisms. For example, there are city ordinances. I know the city of Springfield has ordinances uh, that uh, uh, that could be applied in this situation if there's a, a violation of the executive order. And I think Chief, Winslow's has, Chief Winslow has addressed those. Uh, I don't think they've had many situations. And, and our, our, our office doesn't prosecute city ordinance violations. Those are hand, handled through the city administrative court. Um, but I think Chief Winslow mentioned uh yesterday that they, they've not had many situations where they've had to issue any, any citation because their their uh diligent and effective efforts at education and community caretaking uh have resulted in in, in a, a very solid culture of uh of voluntary compliance. And I think the same uh you hear the same from, from Sheriff Campbell. The other potential enforcement mechanism um would be, you know, on the state level um, there are many businesses uh, that have state licensures, you know, whether that be, you know, barber shops, uh, you know, bars and restaurants, uh, and the state, again, independent of, of the state's attorney's office, would have the ability to, um, you know, have an impact on uh, a business's license if, you know, potentially if we're not complying with the executive order. Again, um, it's important for me to stay in my lane here, um, and that's what I swore to do when I when I took the oath of office, um, and I think part of that is being transparent and letting people know what. Uh, my role as a state's attorney, but also the other impacts that uh, you know violation of the executive order could have, even if that's outside my jurisdiction. So, um, you know, whether that be an ordinance violation or a state licensure issue, um, there are those potential uh, implications related to violation of the executive order. But again, um, a technical violation of the executive order with nothing more uh, is not a criminal offense, and I think that's—I um, I don't think that's subject to, to any dispute, whether it be. Local or even at the state level
1: and We're talking with uh, Sangamon County State's Attorney Dan Wright uh, And Dan mm-hmm. just a few more moments here With you um, just to get your reaction To like the likes of uh, the Woodford County uh, State's Attorney or You know the sheriff in Kankakee or the sheriff in Douglas or uh, some other You know county level elected officials That uh, have come out And made those statements that they're not going to enforce Such things um, So react to that and, and I guess kind of Compare what you're saying to what they're saying
0: of course. Well, as I said before, I think the citizens of same County deserve to have a state's attorney who can remain calm and level-headed during a crisis and remain focused on the actual work of the state's attorney's office during a public health crisis, the likes of which uh, the world has not seen in the last uh, 100 years, and that is continuing to vigilantly stand up for victims, uh, the Rights of Crime Victims and Witnesses Act, and make sure that those who choose to commit crimes in our community are held accountable. Um, As I said, even with the limited operation of of the court system here, um, my team and I are in the office every day working to serve victims and assist law enforcement to to keep our community safe. Um, And I I think it's important uh, that people understand that the state's attorney is uh, legal counsel for the county board, all elected officials, uh, and county departments like like public health. So we've seen a number of issues, aside from uh, the normal work of a state's attorney, which is continues to be of course a statement of the obvious here continues to be critical to uh, help protect the community against violent crime and help law enforcement who continues to tirelessly work uh, to keep our community safe even in the midst of a public health crisis um, but it also in- includes issues like um, you know assisting the uh, the county incident management team with legal issues that come up related to that um, advising uh, our county clerk in terms of uh, issues that, that arose uh, in navigating uh, a free and fair election in, in the middle of the, the we saw the beginning of, of uh, a lot of the public impacts um, of, of this crisis, um, and assisting our public health department with navigating a lot of the uh, you know, nuanced regulatory issues that can come up during this, this public health crisis. So I, I'm focused on the actual work of the office, uh, making sure that um, you know the the, uh, the dedicated leaders uh, in our community uh, on the county level. Uh, have the legal advice that they need to, that they can uh, they can ably navigate navigate this crisis. Um, you know, ultimately, we're all in this together, and I'm focused on uh, the actual work of the state's attorney's office, which is you know as I said is uh, is not uh, engaging in the uh, you know the work of an epidemiologist or a judge or a legislator, but the work of a prosecutor, um, and that's what I swore to do, and I'll continue to do that.
1: All right, State's Attorney Dan Wright, we thank you for your time. We appreciate it.
0: Thank you very much.